These are the times that try men's souls. The definitive horror documentary returns. Boop! To explore the last decade of horror and join a year-long celebration of early 90s horror with the greatest lineup of 90s horror stars in history. Join Loop and Larry and their six-time returning guest star, writer-director David Weiner, as we go In Search of Darkness, 1990-1994. In a world filled with intergalactic space battles, meta-human destruction on a global scale, and psychopathic serial hauntings, there's only one team can make sense of it all. When your world is overrun with rampant pop culture, call Luminary Guardians of Geek. Yes! <laughs> Woo! 68. 68, yes. baby. <laughs> I can't believe 68 episodes. Hey, I'm Loop. And I'm Larry. <laughs> this is Guardians of Geek. And we have a very special episode. Normally, we do our normal format. We're throwing that out the window because we got a special guest, a returning guest. Larry, tell us who it is. It wouldn't be the Halloween season, nor would it be a new season of Loop and Larry, if we did not have our esteemed guest, uh, writer-director David Weiner, director-writer of In Search of Darkness, In Search of Darkness 2, In Search of Darkness 3, In Search <laughs> of Tomorrow, In Search of all the other things that you've ever grown up with, In Search of... <laughs> Everything that you're searching for, this guy has directed <laughs> and made a documentary about. <laughs> Very excited to have him back for our, for his sixth appearance here as In Search of Darkness 1990 to 1994 is about to kick off. And we want to know all about what the 90s had uh, in, in, the, in the realm of horror because we know what the 80s did. Now we need to know what the 90s learned from the 80s. So welcome, <laughs> Thank you very much. First of all, this is not very good for podcasting, but I have to hold this up. This is something that uh, you guys gave me, but unfortunately, it's now out of date. Uh, Certificate of Outstanding Participation, proudly presented to David Weiner for achieving an unprecedented fifth appearance. And so... Uh, <laughs> I got to go get the uh, the whiteout now. Yeah. <laughs> Either that, or you have to keep creating documentaries until you can appear 10 times. 10 times the X. <laughs> yeah, at 10 is when you get the robe. Well, I have, no, I, have no, I have no room for the posters of my films because I now have more plaques from Loop and Larry. That's <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> no, that's it's always, always, always a pleasure to be back with you guys hanging out. And uh, listen, I'll just say off the bat, that you guys are uh, the ultimate geeks and uh, the ultimate cool guys who like to, um, you know, sort of spread the word and spread the wealth of, of fun stuff and nostalgia. And so it's always very, very, very much appreciated because uh, I do come knocking on your door and uh, I'm wondering if I'm like, you know, fish goes bad, but after two, three days. Happy, happy to have you guys help me uh, yell for my soapbox on the corner. Absolutely, that's what we're here for. We we carry our soapbox around everywhere, and anybody anybody can step up on it and <laughs> proclaim their geekdom. So yeah, that's right. <laughs> so tell us, tell us what you've got on the go. So uh, the In Search of Darkness trilogy, which was all about eighties horror, it ended up being a fourteen and a half hour uh, or fourteen plus hours. I haven't done the actual minute specifics, but it's 
three movies that are four and a half to five hours long. And it just, it just explores a whole decade. And yet the, it still, still didn't get them all. You know, there's still a few, a few that got away. Uh, but it's, it's all about horror and all about the great uh, icons of horror talking about what it was like to make these films, to star in these films, to do the effects for these films, to uh, eat the craft service on the tables of these films. <laughs> um, and what's really cool is that uh, there, the absolute, uh, the, the response to all this was so wonderful from so many uh, genuine horror fans that people were wanted more. They're like, I could just watch these all day, more and more and more. Let's go into some other decades. And a lot of people said, 70s, please do the 70s next. Yet many more people said, do the 90s next. And uh, because there, there was just an absolute cacophony, the drum beats were too loud for us. Uh, we were gonna do In Search of Tomorrow, part two, more 80s sci-fi. But we put that on hold because we're like, I think 90s horror really is uh, in demand here. And uh, we need to sort of catch the tiger by the tail while we can. And so that's why we're here. But what ultimately we're doing this time, different from the previous movies, which always go from 19 to the, the first year of the decade to the end of the decade. So 1980 to 1989. Instead, for the 90s, we're going to do a, a two-part documentary series where we go from 90 to 94 and then 95 to 99. And they're still gonna be long form documentaries, but ideally this will give a little more stretching room in the film to get more within each year because I'm always struggling to say, oh, I wish I had more time to do X, Y, or Z. I've also said, wouldn't it be cool if I could do television? Uh, and, and I wanna include television this time around. Last, you know, for the trilogy, we focused on film. Uh, there just wasn't room for any television whatsoever, but people did have questions about what about this and what about that. And so this time around, I want to incorporate some uh, television as well. I mean, you've got everything from Stephen King miniseries like It and The Stand, or, you know, sometimes they come back or even the Tommyknockers, but you also have, you know, X-Files, you also have Twin Peaks, you also have Tales from the Crypt, you know, you have... Are you afraid of the dark and and eerie Indiana gateway horror that a lot of people love and 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 want some sort of connection to even in this film? And so this film really is about nostalgia, but the purpose of this film, other than to entertain and celebrate, is to remind people that there was just a huge amount of amazing material that went on in the '90s, and a lot of people kind of dismiss the '90s. Now, why do they dismiss it? I don't know. Some people are like, you're crazy. There's nothing to dismiss. It's great. But I think a lot of people in retrospect, they're like, eh, there were too many slashers. The 80s sort of stole all the thunder. The 90s, nothing was really going on. Nothing was really happening until like Scream and, you know, The Craft and I Know What You Did Last Summer or something like that or, you know, Blair Witch Project. But the thing is, this whole transition from, you know, late 80s to early 90s, it was a very difficult transition for horror trying to find its footing and trying to cover new ground, yet still maintain the, uh, the, the icons of the era, the villains of the era, you know, the Freddies, the Jasons, you know, the, the, the Pinheads, uh, Chucky, and they all are in this first four years of the 90s and mm -hmm. continuing on. Um, but I think, A, a lot of people feel, I think a lot of people forget that this period of time which was very much the, the peak of the straight to video 
decade, you know, everything, you go to Blockbuster, uh, you go to the mom and pop shop and you'd go and find Full Moon, Troma, Roger Corman stuff. So much that just, it just bypassed the theater and it was right there on the shelf and it was a whole different world. Yet uh, there was another, and I know I'm doing lots of talking here, right? Okay. That's, that's good, you know, that's interesting. The problem is there's there's so much going on, and and I want I I my I want to point out that this is a lost decade for some because they just don't seem to remember. But there was so much going on. Um, I kind of feel like people almost dismissed a lot of the stuff because of uh, nascent CGI and you know the baby steps of CGI in certain movies because you know 1993, you know Jurassic Park comes around and everyone says I want that I want something like that, you know. But movies like Sleepwalkers, uh, you know, even the Stan miniseries, they're morphing. They're like, I saw Terminator 2. I want to do morphing. I want to do some morphing in my movie, too, you know? Yeah. Um, and so I think because of the baby steps that were quite awkward with uh, a brand new technology uh, that didn't quite work so well as the amazing practical effects that we knew and loved, I think a lot of people dismissed a lot of great content and great swings for the fences they may have missed. Uh, and I think because that uh, things were getting grittier and darker with, you know, everything from serial killers, subgenres to uh, producers saying, I want to make a horror film, but horror's kind of got a stigma to it. Why don't we call it a thriller, psychological thriller, erotic thriller, something like that. You know, we're, we're, we're going to have a, a killer babysitter, but we'll just call it the hand that rocks the cradle. You know, yeah. we're going to. You know, single white female, you know, is the roommate on, on the level? I don't know. She might be a stalker and, you know, it works. But um, these are movies that are thrillers, arguably. Mm -hmm. Silence of the Lambs, a thriller, arguably. And so yeah. this, this definitely is a great, you know, kickoff point for discussion. Do you think in the, like, the 90s as well, like the, I, I felt uh, the studios decided that it's it would be great like they they kind of like how am I trying to say this? They try they try to capture um the the magic of the 80s almost, but in a way of putting major stars in these movies. And there's a lot more bigger blockbuster type. Like you you listed a bunch right there. And Silence of the Lambs was like, wasn't that the first movie to win an Oscar? Like yeah, that was in, yeah. sort of in the horror genre. Like it just seemed like, was, like the, the horror. Yeah. Yeah, there's more movies with like bigger stars that were sort of the 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 front of these movies, and they just seemed to have more clout. I guess than they had in the eighties. Like they sort of had more, they're, they're shinier, like shinier objects to play with. You know what I mean? Well, I think you make a great point, you know, it, like talking about a, a time of transition, you know, you had directors, you know, like, you know, John Carpenter, Joe Dante, uh, you know, David Cronenberg, who were either trying to continue with horror, but try and find their place as to where it worked, or they were trying to get out of horror completely. But at the same time, you have, uh, you know, Tom Cruise says, I'm going to be a vampire and interview with the vampire, you know, the great best-selling anime book. I want to do that. Or Francis Ford Coppola did um, Dracula. Yeah, you know, and, and so what they do is they say, well, well, instead of just, I'll do Dracula, I'll do it. Ram Stoker's Dracula. So it feels more literary. It feels more worthy Bigger, of Francis yeah. Ford Coppola. But you, yeah, you've got Winona Ryder and Keanu Reeves. You've got Anthony Hopkins chewing up the scenery. Gary Oldman's bravura performance as, as Dracula. But then you've got Kenneth Branagh in the wings saying, huh, huh, I think I want to do Frankenstein. Well, we'll call it Mary Shelley's Frankenstein. And we'll get Robert De Niro as the monster. It'll be great. 
You know, <laughs> let's throw in Helena Bonham Carter, who looks great in any period piece. Just put her in a dress and you just go. Yeah. You don't even have got to it. give her a trip. Just, just stand there and, and you've got clout. Um, you know, or Jack Nicholson is looking, you know, he's sitting at the Laker game and he's just like, hmm, God, I've got an appetite and it's a full moon. Wait a minute. Wolf. Yeah, I was talking to my people <laughs> the other day. I want to do this too. Let's get Michelle Pfeiffer and James Spader and 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 turn this into something that is really, you know, uh, clever and interesting. And um, the the identity of horror was not easy to pinpoint, and that's what makes this this era so great. So you've got the straight to video movies that are arguably schlock but it's it's our bread and butter on a friday night if you couldn't get wolf or you couldn't get bram stoker's dracula you'd get you know subspecies or you get puppet master three you know or something yeah. like that you know um and not to be discounted a lot of the streets video stuff was like uh on the full moon train you'd have like stuart gordon doing the pit and the pendulum you know um uh he's still doing great stuff and full moon is is footing the bill, and and you can find it on your shelf, and you're like, I don't, I don't know if I remember that being in the theater, you know. Um, some people would have that disconnect. I had that disconnect where I was a bit of a snob because I was, you know, I was in my early twenties in uh, the early nineties, and so I was like, well, if it wasn't in the theater, I'm not sure if it's worthy. <laughs> of renting but if the art was great and if the, if there was a promise of great gore and nudity and you recognize a couple names you're like okay i'll just I, put this you know underneath bram stoker's dracula yeah. i will watch you know but you know we have like roger corman's on frankenstein unbound as well you could do a double feature with that yeah. I, I, I think too for at least larry and i like the the 80s were our high school years, essentially. So we did a lot of renting of movies. We're out. But then by the time the 90s came, I was in college all of a sudden. And then your interests change, right? You're you're out and you're doing stuff. And, you know, Lawrence or Larry's always at a kegger every week. And, you know, it just got it got wild in the 90s. But I found I watched a lot more in theater movies, I think, horror than I did actually renting at that point. Oh, well, okay. We, we also would have had a bit more disposable income because at that point, you know, you're working your part-time jobs and, you know, you're, you've got, you, you, you've matured a little bit. So you just, and I think, I think as we matured, as the, the children of the eighties matured and went from the, you know, schlock of the eighties, that was so awesome. And the, the um, physical effects and all of that stuff, we were getting more heady and more intellectual because we were all in college at that point. Yeah. Right. So, you know, we we needed our horror because we grew up with it. But, you know, we didn't necessarily need to see, you know, balloons filled with blood, you know, exploding in our faces. We wanted to see the psychological damage that it was causing to people. So, you know, I think that's a lot of why we're, we were seeing like Silence of the Lambs and Interview with the Vampire and things that were more heady, you know, I mean, that, that I, took I think. I, I agree with you completely. I think that the, uh, as I said, the directors were trying to sort of navigate this time and sort of, you know, expand what they were doing. I think audiences as well, uh, arguably, for the most part, were becoming more demanding of intellectually stimulating material with their horror. And and while there was still plenty of just sort of, you know, uh, uh, funny comedic 
over the top bloody stuff like Dead Alive, you know, Peter Jackson emerging and blowing us all away with this ridiculous film. Everyone's like, you gotta rent this. You know, you had movies like, you know, Jacob's Ladder, for example, you know. Oh, good. Um, and then Rob Reiner, he's, he wants to do a little horror as well, talking about the A-list and doing Misery, you know. Um, uh, or even The Exorcist 3, you know, something that, that no one had on their bingo card as being a good movie. You know? <laughs> yeah. Uh, and it and it's and it's a great film. It's a great film. Of course, it's a lot easier when you're coming off of Exorcist Two: The Heretic. <laughs> yeah. We did. We both just watched it like just like last couple weeks or last week, and it's yeah. like Exorcist Two is a bit. Of, it's a, a bit of a mind uh, like f on it because it's just, it's just a bizarre movie. We literally it's, had to. We literally had to watch three to cleanse our palates. We're like, <laughs> there's got to be something better here. You cannot kill this franchise with one movie. So, yeah. Well, it's it's uh, it's easy to dunk on Exorcist too, but uh, I will. I always like to say now that uh, you know Joe Dante champions that movie as one of his favorites that he really yeah. likes. You know, yeah. uh, he, he kind of puts it in like he, no one likes to say guilty pleasure anymore, but he kind of you know puts that in his guilty pleasure quadrant. You know, as a film that he thinks is a, it's a well-made film, and it is what it is. And but you know, <laughs> coming coming off of Friedkin's Exorcist, you know, a year it's tough. It's tough. I mean, we're now we're now fifty years later, uh, uh, you know, from The Exorcist, and uh, you've got Exorcist Believer, you know, out, and uh, uh, William Friedkin probably would be very diplomatic or speak his mind about it if he were around <laughs> uh, but, speaking of, but speaking of William Friedkin you know he did a movie in the early 90s called uh, The Guardian I don't know if you guys have heard about The Guardian I, I The Guardian's a good one and that's like kind of about a it's sort of like this omen it's like a, 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 a contemporary Los Angeles if this works a contemporary, contemporary Los Angeles folk horror film about a nanny who is basically uh, connected supernaturally to uh, a tree, <laughs> uh, you, know, the, you know, this sort of tree god and um, wants to basically take the, this couple's baby and, uh, and, and, and basically take it as hers, much like the omen, you know, this sort of mysterious nanny comes in and takes over the life of this family with nefarious uh, intentions. And that's a Friedkin film that uh, is definitely one to check out. That one didn't do well at the time because Friedkin's Exorcist was just so strong and everything he'd done around that time, you know, up until Sorcerer, where, uh, which is an amazing film, but stumbled badly at the box office because it was the year of Star Wars. Right, um, yeah. Friedkin never fully recovered after that, you know, live and die in LA and Bug and, you know, so many cool movies that he's done, but nothing quite resonated as like the one two punch of. Uh, you know, French Connection and, and Exorcist and French Connection too. Um, are you finding now venturing into the '90s that I mean, you were a, you were a child of the '80s. I mean, you grew up with the with the '80s horror. Um, are you are you finding a new love for the for the movies of the '90s? Did you at I mean, now that you're going back to to sort of capture the the magic of the 90s had you thought before this about how fantastic that decade was or now that you've gone back through it are you realizing wow it's better than i realized it was like I, because it, because you're calling it the lost decade was it lost to you too Is yeah it, it was lost to a certain degree i saw a majority of the stuff that was there but i as i so i alluded to before uh, I was a bit of a snob. I, you know, I was a film school film school snob. 
And, and a lot of the straight to video stuff, I discounted, dismissed, or didn't see. Uh, and, and, you know, there were select things. Listen, I, I, I have never been above anyone else other than above my own self and my own obstacle in terms of the enjoyment of this. But all I can say is in, in my later years, I grew to truly appreciate all the straight to video stuff. Uh, uh, whether it was, whether it was art or schlock or anything in between, uh, I could appreciate it for what it had to offer. Uh, but back then I saw everything in the theater, no matter what. I mean, I'd, I'd be like, it's Friday night. I want to see a movie, Stephen King's Graveyard Shift. I, I know it'll probably not be very good, but I will just see it because it's Stephen King and it's Friday night. Um, but there are so many movies that uh, have been, my absolute favorites ever since the 90s that I've come back to over and over and over again that to me are absolute classics. You know, Misery is one. Uh, Tom Savini's Night of the Living Dead uh, remake is just absolutely superb. That's one that completely took my took me by surprise and is an annual spooky season uh, view for me each and every year. Um, uh, Tremors, another movie. Uh, th there's There's a certain threshold that I have uh, when I want to go back to any film, uh, Dead Alive is one of those, is when I came, come in with just low expectations or no expectations. And I'm just pleasantly surprised because the movie just, it shouldn't be good. And it's really fun. You know, <laughs> Exorcist 3, even Pet Cemetery 2, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Pet Cemetery 2 for me is like super fun. You know, Clancy Brown gives this amazing performance as a, uh, this, a just obnoxious evil sheriff. <laughs> alive then dead then alive again spoiler <laughs> did you find that you're speaking of sequels like there was like maybe too many sequels in the 90s because there was a lot because you had all the carryover from the 80s like all of those those franchises plus you had brand new and you're getting into leprechaun and all those type of movies right that have one but i looked at i think it was 1994 you had leprechaun 2 night of the demons 2 pumpkin head 2 the birds the unborn 2 it just like never ended it was just everyone had a sequel Listen, I think it's great. I, everyone loves these. Like, you know, I mean, I, I'm, I'm learning a lot in putting this together. One of the great things about putting uh, these movies together is I get to talk to guys like you. I get to talk to the audience. We get to have a survey and people can fill out the survey. We do so much stuff on social media. You know, what's your favorite? What do you like? I'll, I'll do a poll. You know, like, for example, uh, you know, and, and I'm just thinking is I, I'm working in a vacuum of just my own tastes, unless I'm talking to the audience that's really like, how could you do this and not that? Like, yeah. for example, you know, talking about sequels, like there's Child's Play 2 and Child's Play 3. So I asked a very simple question, and I just said, if you had to choose one, which would you choose and why? And I figured it's probably going to be even, and I probably wouldn't learn much from it. Turns out Child's Play 2, way better in terms oh, yeah. of fan appreciation than Child's Play 3. Not saying Child's Play 3 is a bad movie, but yeah. if you had to have one or the other, it was like a 90% to 10% uh, choice for that. You know, and that is incredibly informative to me. Um, I don't know, so many, so many of these sequels, it, it, it is really fun when you are actually at the video store and you're just like, I'm in the mood for this. My comfort food is this character. You yeah. know, Leprechaun, Candyman. You know, did they do another Pennywise movie? Can I find it? You know, maybe <laughs> they did. Oh, under P, there's Pumpkinhead too. I guess I'll take that instead. You yeah. know, Tremors 2 through 7 through 25. You know, 
look, the more sequels, the better. You know, I, I think that's another problem with the 90s in terms of this quote unquote lost decade is that uh, it was just sequelitis. You know, and the franchises were just kept on going and kept on going. You know, uh, Jason was around, except where does he go? He goes to hell. You know? <laughs> that's like one of my favorite jason movies <laughs> it's so weird i just love it <laughs> you know they they killed off freddie but then three years later they they he, he was brought back you know yeah, new talking, about, talking about uh you know uh directors trying to you know figure out what they wanted to do next i i would argue that west craven was at the peak of his game uh you know and, and so he he they kill off Freddy. Next thing that he does, he didn't do, you know, Freddy's dead with the 3D glasses. Yes. But, you know, it's his characters, it's his franchise. Uh, and ultimately, he decides to do The People Under the Stairs. Uh, and uh, and then after that, he goes back to Freddy three, year, three years after Freddy died, supposedly, and no one believed it. And, um, you know, reinvented it with New Nightmare. So he's basically like playing in this, you know, the meta play you know sandbox yeah. you know and have robert england heather langenkamp Wes craven himself all playing themselves on screen and freddie's coming into their real life also little miko hughes from pet cemeteries in that as well yeah. and um so basically you know he that's sort of like the the laying the groundwork for scream you know so he's he's Wes craven is basically saying how can i make horror movies interesting to me because we all know the template the pattern the formula at this point how can we shake things up same thing with with people under the stairs he's like i can make a socio-political commentary about urban blight but let's make the most ridiculous off the wall insane entertaining movie starring like a couple from twin peaks you know yeah. uh and you know ving rames and uh you know going up against them and it's just an outrageous movie uh, but it says a lot about the time, you know, the times were a change in big time, you know, because we're coming out of, you know, America's, you know, Reagan and Reaganomics and trickle down economics were not trickling down at all. You know, the Rodney King beatings and then the L.A. riots, there was a lot going on in the Gulf War as well, which everyone was any paying anyone paying attention was a war about oil and not about, you know, right or wrong necessarily. I mean, they we can go down that rabbit hole with Kuwait and yeah. uh, unjust, unjustly taken, you know, by Iraq. But ultimately, uh, that's what people see. And so, all this stuff is, is of course, horror. Great horror reflects the times, you know. And so, you have Candyman, you know, in the projects in Cabrini Green in Chicago, more of this sort of gritty urban blight, and and that's the that's sort of the the playground of this area as well. Um, but then you have like, again, with this sort of uh, uh, serial killer subgenre that really is taking off after Sounds of Lambs, you've got Oliver Stone, who says, I'm going to do, a you know, natural born killers, and I'm going to yeah. follow a pair of serial killers, but it's going to be, this is going to be a satire on reality television, and, you know, the Jerry Springers and the Morton Downey Juniors of the world, and what shows will do now to get the best ratings possible to the point where they're glorifying the violence and, uh, uh, you know, Robert Downey Jr.'s uh, uh, reporter will go, you know, to any lengths and put his life on the line for the great ratings, you know. Um, it was a weird, weird time, you know. <laughs> it was more reflective. I mean, the, the 80s, when you think back, I mean, the, 
it was just more sort of experimental like how gross can we get how you know out there can we be but then they 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 kind of dialed it back i guess in the 90s to make it more um relatable to the times i suppose like you were saying i mean it it really when you when you express it like that you really can see the difference between the decades i mean there was there was definitely a a jump between the style of the 80s and the style of the 90s it didn't it just didn't it can, it, so the evolution is quite apparent. <laughs> Much like the very, very, very colorful 80s, everything was very pop color. And, yes. uh, you know, uh, everything got sort of dark, gray, gritty, flannel. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> flannel. And grungy, you know, you know, much like the back to basics of grunge. Um, I think people were looking for new villains as well. Mm. Uh, you know, there, there were plenty of supernatural, outrageous characters and creatures. But I think, you know, especially with Jeffrey Dahmer, not the first serial killer, but maybe the first serial killer to really capture the attention of so many people that really disturbed all of us, that someone could do such horrendous things and, and, and resort to cannibalism and so forth. Uh, and, and, and this is in your neighborhood and the police were doing nothing. The police were, you know, arguably. The neighbors were complaining and no one was doing a thing. That was more of a, of a of the story that was going on. And then you have Silence of the Lambs drops and everyone is now paying attention to serial killers. The whole subgenre of serial killers films comes out, but it's really about like wolves in, in sheep's clothing. You know, you know, misery is like that too. You know, you kind of have this woman who comes and helps you out. Turns out she's your ultimate number one fan, but she's a toxic fan, yeah. and she's going to kill you if you don't if you don't you know revive your character that you you know her favorite character was killed, you know. But this whole subgenre of like you know serial killer movies, like you've got and again with the A listers, you know Brad Pitt uh, goes on a road trip with you know David Duchovny and Michelle Forbes in California with a K. Yeah. Um, all this stuff was arguably thrillers about serial killers, dark and gritty. Um, you know, go Jacob's Ladder. I, I I always think is a great film that really kicks off that it's a, it, early in the '90s, and and it kicks off. A, a, maybe that is the best sort of linchpin between the decades because if you remember in um, in the '80s, Vietnam and Vietnam films, uh, and all about you know America's involvement in Vietnam. Well, that was everywhere. You know, from Oliver Stone with Platoon, you know, Born on the Fourth of July, and so on and so forth. Full Metal Jacket, yeah. Full Metal Jacket, Kubrick, uh, and you have, um, you know, even all the missing in action movies with Chuck Norris, you know. <laughs> you know, everyone wanted to go and get the, you know, single-handedly Rambo, get the POWs and bring them back home. So in 1990, you've got Jacob's Ladder, which is, at first, I remember seeing that in the theater. I'm just like, oh, boy. It's another Vietnam film, you know. I, th I thought after Casualties of War with uh, Michael J. Fox and Sean Penn, you know, we weren't, you know, Brian Tafama film, we weren't allowed to do those anymore, even though <laughs> that's a good film. Um, but it ties in very much to a whole story about uh, our own government doing experiments on us uh, and, and about a guy who's just completely lost in time and space and experiencing the horror of, of not even knowing a, not getting any help, not getting any any uh, assistance, and but B, not even knowing who he is or where he is or or where he belongs. And I don't want to spoil that movie; I haven't seen it, but uh, it, it's it's quite a 
uh, it throws you off. But it was incredibly stylized, yeah. too. You know, yeah. Adrian Lyne did in that film. It was. It was almost like the eighties were uh, an escape for us all. It was just fun to go to the movies. It was fun to escape into this really strange and grotesque world. But the nineties sort of came to terms with the real world and said, you know what, we have to actually face our our problems and face the 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 situation that's happening in the world and the situation that's happening politically and with our you know the fallout of what's happened up to this point and we're going to make that scary you know i mean that's scary in itself so let's emphasize that so i mean it's still an escape going to the movie but it's facing your it's facing your real fears as opposed to in the 80s where you're seeing all kinds of fearful things that you didn't even know existed yeah (laughs) i think the 90s had a lot of more like things that could actually happen sort of movies like cape fear um like raising canes single white female like these are things that could happen to you as opposed to like something that's like a freddy that's in your dreams right like these are actual frightening situations that we read about now on the internet like but then it's like what someone could actually take your identity or like it just it was it was sort of like more frightening in that way again the borderline yeah. on the thriller versus horror sort of section yeah so it's still uh, scary. And, <laughs> and, I, and i think i think for that particular argument about is it horror or is it thriller i think if this was happening to you in real life you would be absolutely terrified yeah uh, and and i think that's how it qualifies and if if there's if you get a body count then it solidifies it. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I mean, I mean, in the 80s, you know, if you see a killer clown coming down from outer space, you, you might be scared, but you'd probably more be just in disbelief. Like, what, what is happening here? But, but you know, I mean, if, yeah, if you have a single white female situation, that would be terrifying. You know, yeah. that would be life-destroying. <laughs> the, so, uh, the 90s were really the hangover, especially in the early 90s. It was, it was kind of like the big party of the 80s, uh, the greed is good, 80s, and then the hangover came. And I think uh, pop culture was reflecting that quite a bit uh, yeah. and, and just trying to find its ground. But, but you know, it's like it, it, people want to simplify with a definition when it's really kind of hard to do that. You know, why does a decade, a 10-year span need to be summed up in a single sentence? And I think if anything, that's what we're going to capture with this film is that there was a lot going on and that's a good thing. Uh, right. And much more than than everyone potentially remembers unless you were there. And even then, depending on who you were and how you are now, how old you are now, your mind was on other things anyway. You know, my mind was on a, you know, moving to California and going to Los Angeles and getting into movies. And I, I could, I, you know, it wasn't until like the, the, LA, you know, Jeffrey Dahmer on the news or or the OJ Simpson slow speed Bronco chase <laughs> did I like stop and pay attention to what was on the television. Otherwise, I was all about myself and my escape to the movies every Friday and Saturday, you know? How, or, how important is working it? on movies and freelance? Those killer matinees. I was the man. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Because <laughs> I was either how, always working or not working at all. Right. <laughs> how important was the, like the TV side to this documentary? Because you're saying like this is the first time we you've got like TV in there, and and TV became like I think like as as the years have gone by, TV has gotten so much better. It's become more like way more ingrained in our in pop culture than I think it ever has. So, and this was I think the start of it, like really in the '90s, where you really started like they got away from the sitcom sort of idea and into these longer form sort of like, like you're saying like the X-Files, which is such a different like concept than anything that had ever been on before. Sure. I, I think so. I mean, well, 
you know, actually, X Files was is, I, and we all know this if you do pay attention. You know, attention. I think X Files was a great repackaging of everything from Twilight Zone and Outer Limits to Kolchak the Night Stalker, uh, and 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 have you know, and Project Blue Book. You know, yeah. uh, Loop and I were just talking about monsters. I don't know if you remember monsters. Yeah, 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 monsters. Exactly. That was, that was another with one. The that family was... with the the you got the psych. Yeah. The third eye or only one eye? One eye. They were all cyclops. Psych. I don't know what the plural is for cyclops. They were a yes. Encyclopedia. <laughs> yes, this is a family of encyclopedia. Held by the by the plural of cyclops. <laughs> but I mean, and that that was the thing is that we did. Like when you couldn't rent a movie because you were too young to go out and rent one, you couldn't go to the theater to go see a movie because you were too young to go by yourself. <laughs> there yeah, was there's so a huge, huge, huge amount. And I, I think what's interesting is you look at the Stephen King miniseries. Yeah. Uh, people were starting to realize after Stephen King was a box, box office king and then starting to become box office poison. You know, uh, Pet Cemetery did really well. But Pet Cemetery, they weren't going to make because Stephen King's name wasn't doing so well. Uh, you know, with a lot of it, you know, everyone got to do a Stephen King film. And so they weren't so good. Uh, uh, a lot of them and a lot of them were great. Uh, so that being said, um, I think people looked at these thousand page books and said, you know what, maybe we shouldn't like chop most of it out and do a two hour film. Why don't we do a miniseries? You know, mm -hmm. The Stand, which is my favorite Stephen King book of all time that's um, great uh absolutely amazing miniseries from from mick garris um i think it would arguably be among the gateway television that that people can definitely look to that and say you know pennywise infiltrated my dreams and, and absolutely scared me um yeah. uh it's it's uh it, it's sort of the groundwork not like the 80s was the original one to do it because the miniseries came way before the 80s. But I think that those miniseries, like say those Stephen King miniseries, for example, and don't forget Salem's Lot was a TV movie, two nights. Yeah. Much of the series and 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 limited series horror that we get to see on TV now, I think that stuff was part of the groundwork to show that people would really respond to this on the small screen television. Now the not so small screen television in your you know, <laughs> it's it, it gives it gives you flexibility to tell a better story. And that's uh, uh, why I love so much of the horror today uh, that is on television as series and everything from Stranger Things on, because they they take the time to tell a really good tale and flesh out the characters. So when they are ripped limb from limb, you care about them, you know, <laughs> And speaking of good stories and telling good stories, this year you've got so associated with the new doc you've got a year-long celebration of your documentary so what what's new this year what what can people anticipate and how can they participate <laughs> yeah well what what's what we love to do i was talking about how we love to ingratiate everyone's uh thoughts and their ideas and their opinions by way of survey and comments on social media and so on and so forth i i pay attention to all that stuff i take copious notes and um <laughs> What's cool about it is that uh, we're doing right now between now and uh, October 31st, go to 90shorrordoc.com and you can reserve your copy of In Search of Darkness 1990 to 1994. 
and get your name in the credits, get lots of cool swag. If you go to the site, you can see all that stuff. But it's not like you order it and then you forget about it. And then one day you're like, oh, yeah, that. We want to engage everyone for a calendar year with all sorts of cool stuff. Uh, and it's all listed if you go to 90shorrordoc.com. But we're going to do live events with, you know, Q&As with horror icons and just discussions like we're having now about very specific topics and just, you know, just nerding out about why we love horror, very specifically the topics. But uh, some of the faces that you know and love that you guys can pick their brains as well. And uh, just, just some, you know, some some transparent Q and A's with us as the filmmakers, you know, when we, you know, we have, we have many people that we will be announcing who will be in this, uh, and we can't wait to do it. And when we do, you guys will be the first to know that kind of stuff. Reason why we can't talk about anyone who's in the documentary right now is because we're still currently, unfortunately, in the SAG after a strike. And mm -hmm. we're completely supportive of that and in solidarity with that. We just won't announce anybody. But uh, we have never been, you know, we're always shameless about shouting from the rooftops of all the amazing people that we get. And so, uh, and if our track record for the In Search of Darkness trilogy of the 80s movies if, is any, you know, uh, watermark of what we're, what we're trying to do, it'll be the same for the 90s. And that we'll have to leave that one at that. <laughs> Perfect. Well, it's, I, I mean, it's, it's all exciting. It's all exciting. <laughs> so again, how do people get this doc? Like I, I already went on today and I did it. So it, it's simple. If anyone who's going to do it, it's really easy to do. And, and, and you said it's going to come out. I think it says next year. Yeah. Like, yeah. You know, everything is tentative because uh, the strike is happening still. Mm -hmm. um, you know, so, so this film is in pre-production and we're, essentially on hold and we have to wait for the strike to end before we can do our interviews so i am hoping that you know five minutes from now it's going to be done and and i you know i've got my work cut out for me and i cannot wait to dive into it but uh the idea is you know it's it's done and ready in a year and you guys everyone would get it in their hands by december or the beginning of you know the following year that's usually yep. how we do it uh, based on, you know, manufacturing and all that kind of stuff like that. But uh, uh, I don't like to make promises I can't keep, you know. So, uh, but if our track, again, going back to our track record, you know, we we have a campaign. A year later, you get your movie each and every time. And yeah. so it's the plan with this as well. Well, I can't I mean, believe how long ago, we, like the first time you're on was like a few, like three or four years ago. And already you've done four movies since then, since we've <laughs> talked to you and you're on your fifth. And then there's also like a side, like aliens movie, right. That's being produced. And it's like, you're, you're obviously doing well. You've got, you know, you know what you're doing. So, and the ones that you've done like the praise is incredible for them all. They're, they're so good. Like, honestly, if you've never seen any of your stuff, like you've got to run right now and see it somehow. And, uh, it's yeah. they're just so awesome like all of them are oh thank you yeah well plus i have that that cable knit sweater business where i knit them myself <laughs> i forgot about that yeah side gig. it's always it's so important it's so i pre-ordered mine already so i can't wait yeah. to get it <laughs> i don't know that was arbitrary but it came to my mind. there is no cable knit company that i do myself <laughs> well I, I gotta tell you your doc is still uh a record for me having sat for five continuous hours and watch one thing on my computer screen that's it hasn't happened before hasn't happened since i can't imagine wow. again that was still that's how good these docs are they really i mean 
we don't have you on just to fill fill a, an episode. We have you on because we are 100% behind what you're doing. And you're and, not yeah. mentioning that extra hour it took to extricate you from the chair, right? Oh, yeah. No, that, that was <laughs> yeah, the sixth right. hour. That was the sixth hour. We, we don't My not... entire body <laughs> fell asleep and I could not call for help. <laughs> I had to go over there with a forklift and some oil. Yes. I did my best. I did my best to get him off that chair. But. It was awful. But, it, but the five hours before that were awesome. <laughs> but but truly, I mean, this it's it's such a nostalgia trip. You really do hit on all of the memories that we all share, and they they really are. I mean, like you said, not. I mean, you, there may be a couple of things that haven't made the cut but really you don't even think about those things because what's there are the big the big moments right they're, they're the ones that, that mean, mean the most to us the uh everyone should at the very least check out the trailer it's a killer trailer yeah it's it's going to do everything that it took me this whole hour to talk about which is remind you that there was so much great shit in the 1990 to 1994 stretch alone. Yes. So much good stuff, so much stuff that you had never even seen before, so much stuff that you're like, oh yeah, that. And and like so many titles, I mean, we haven't talked about arachnophobia. We haven't talked about the witches. We haven't talked about the gremlins too. We haven't talked about popcorn. <laughs> we haven't talked about Adam's family, you know? Body we bags. haven't talked about Delicatessen, the French movie Delicatessen. We haven't yeah. talked about Innocent Blood, you know. I remember seeing Innocent Blood, and uh, I'm like, John Landis is going to do vampires now? I got to go see it. Wait, this is a <laughs> gangster movie? Well, wait, it's got Anne Perillard, and she's completely naked. This is actually. <laughs> yeah. We haven't talked about Dr. Giggles, who I think about every time I go to the dentist. And the yeah. dentist. <laughs> Sorry, there's the dentist with Corbin Burnson. I was one step ahead of my own joke. <laughs> yeah there is just so much and you do such a great job of of incorporating all of this or at least having mentions of all of this and all it takes is a mention and that's like you said that you're the trailer i mean we've loop and i've watched the trailer dozens of times already <laughs> and and it's because you pack in what is it four and a half minutes just over four yeah, minutes yeah yeah I think we I think we dropped in uh, 88 movies in that time it, that's it's crazy. crazy it's it's crazy and and you're right i mean there were Every time something would pop up, I'm like, "All oh, right, that was the '90s. I'd forgotten. I'd forgotten about that." So, I mean, yeah. It, until the doc comes out, spend your days watching this doc or the, watching this trailer because yeah, just just the 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 snippets of of all of these films is just will bring joy to you to your soul. It, I'm gonna I'm gonna listicle things that just are so great that we haven't even done you know talked about. We didn't even mention in this conversation in the mouth of madness. Oh, we, didn't, you know, we didn't talk about Amityville, a new generation. I'm kidding. Yeah. But, but, but it does yeah, but there was a reason for that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, hocus pocus, needful things, the nightmare before Christmas. Did we you talk know? Adam's family yet? That came out, right? In Adam's the... family, Adam's yeah. family values, right? Because yeah. there's and, and and I think even like the Adam's family values, that title goes over everyone's heads now. <laughs> I think I think because that was so of its time, because there was the whole presidential campaign with um uh, uh uh george bush and um and uh oh my gosh see he's so forgettable <laughs> um quail dan quail okay quail oh, oh dan quail wow, wow. They, okay. they always talking about uh family values and yes and, and it yeah. was such it was such a thing in the zeitgeist that they literally called adam's family values to talk about <laughs> how 
an unconventional family could have their own family values that are as good as the ones that might not fit the norm of these family values that you're, you're you know, pro proclaiming are what we should go back to, you know, and that and that and that pretty much pretty much holds for the whole genre of horror. Right. I mean, it, the genre of horror holds values in it that may not appeal to people or people might not recognize, but they're just as valuable and they're just as good. And they're they they give you, you know, the same uh, they fulfill the needs that, uh, you know, that a lot of people have without uh, without you even realizing it. It's just. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, like, how can how can a movie like Basket Case 2 be about <laughs> finding family? But it is, you know. <laughs> I mean, it is. It's true. Yeah, it's it's so great. I'm so, I'm so excited to see this thing. I think it's I think it's going to be great. And the one thing that I I just want to sort of wrap with is, if if you haven't followed their social media pages, get on the social media, the the Facebooks and the Instagrams, because you're constantly populating your your social media with new information and the trailers and bits of things, just teasers and like that's really the the your your ability to to build the buzz is fantastic and mm. that's what's going to keep us going for the next year until we get the doc in our hand because and that's part, really fun to watch that's very much part of the engagement yeah at 80s horror doc uh we did not change it to 90s horror doc because then we'd have three people who were like oh i found you, you yes <laughs> so so but if you look at, at 80s horror doc uh on on facebook on instagram on uh twitter slash x and uh, uh, I think we we have a foothold on TikTok. I always say that, but then I could be lying. I don't know. <laughs> um, but but shout out to uh, to uh, Carla Hampton, who uh, she does the majority of our social media, and she's great and inventive, and always does these verses. You know, it's like Pennywise yes. versus Candyman yes. would yeah. win. You know, that kind of stuff like that, and keeps it very fun. You know. Um, and uh, I think community is incredibly important to us, uh, a non-toxic community who just loves this stuff for the sake yeah. of loving it. Yeah. Uh, and that, that's very much that uh, is, is weaved into the formula of these In Search of Darkness movies is the absolute celebration of this era and, and everything being on an even playing field. And I can't wait to do the exact same thing to so much of the stuff that we've been talking about. For the 90s i just yeah. wanted to give a, a quick shout out to the artists who who creates your posters as well oh yeah oh Dave, god I yes love yes. i love these things like these are some of the greatest uh movie posters that are out there i mean it, so please just give us a little a little mm -hmm. insight into who that is yeah dave morell uh i believe you're talking about we have two artists uh who do our our, our clayton benj is our in-house art director and he does all the every if, if you see it, it he did it you know <laughs> that that's a very broad way of saying he does so much yeah. um but he does like for the posters he does the one where it's like the kid in front of the television and you know or the giant roman numerals that kind of stuff like that dave morell takes uh you know robin block is our executive producer uh he owns creator vc uh, he's incredibly creative and and he loves to take an idea and and turn it into reality, whether it's a poster or whether it's a movie or whether it's, you know, a media platform, whatever it is, he wants to create great stuff that, that's community driven entertainment. When it comes to the posters, he's just like, all right, we got it. We're going to a brand new decade. He's like, what am I going to do? What do I do? What do I do? 
but he was really kind of caught up with this lost decade concept. He's like, this kind of is a cool little hook. How about a maze? You're kind of lost in the labyrinth of VHS. It looks so cool. Yeah. And yeah. and so he'll he'll work, uh, he'll art direct with Dave Morell, who's an incredibly talented artist. He, he's been with us since In Search of Darkness 2, where he did kind of the, uh, uh, the Kelly Maroney Rebels mm -hmm. zombie cheerleader, you yeah. know, with all yeah. these hands coming out and getting you. And then he we did a whole thing where we had kind of a, a uh, we called him the curator, but he's sort of our host, you know, sort of like this, this Crypt Keeper style skeleton who's hosting and he's basically digging, this is In Search of Darkness 3, he's, he's digging into the grave to dig up all the stuff that we haven't dug up yet for In Search of Darkness 3 from the 80s. And so this time around, we're going, uh, stepping into a whole new decade. So we're stepping into this labyrinth that you probably don't want to go in alone. It's great. And if you, and so if cool. you order the doc, if you order the doc uh you if you order the, the proper package or a one of the packages you get at least two or three of these posters yeah you get you get the, the two posters i described you know uh, the kid in front of the tv with all the new 90s people and you get the dave morrell poster suitable for framing uh really cool stuff uh you get a digital copy of the movie you get the physical copy of the movie something i haven't mentioned because there's always too many things to mention <laughs> is is that uh in Search of Darkness, the trilogy, if you never got your physical copy, you you can now order that as well during this campaign and only until Halloween, you got to jump on it. You can get the trilogy uh, in one disc. So basically like one single disc with, with the flaps, you know, so you've got all three individual discs. It's going to have new art. It's going to have a new booklet. But for like people were like, oh, I, I'm going to patch up you know, get some ideas for spooky season and watch In Search of Darkness on Shutter and, you know, Amazon and AMC Plus. Where the heck is In Search of Darkness 1? 2 and 3 is there, but 1 has mysteriously disappeared, killed by an unnamed villain. But uh, <laughs> so the thing is, all the people like you guys are like, I am not worried. I have my physical copy on my shelf. And, you know, streaming is temporary, but physical is forever. And so... Yeah. What's cool about this is, you know, if you want to get the In Search of Darkness trilogy, the 80s trilogy, uh, you can order that now, and that's going to come to you by Christmas. That's going to be turned right around. So uh, another cool thing that you could do, independent mm -hmm. of In Search of Darkness 90s. Do it, do it, do it. Yeah, <laughs> definitely get it. And David, we've taken up so much of your time. Thank you so much for being on again. You're just like a wealth of information, and you've created these, essentially walking into a library of like, of horror and like everything we'd ever want to know is right in there. So I love what you've done and, and you just continue to do it and uh, get out there and order these. If you haven't got the eighties, get it. If you get this nineties one and you're going to enjoy it. Anyone that hasn't seen it yet is like you're, it, you must, it's a must see in my opinion, if you like horror at all. So yeah. thank you so I much. Step in really quick. And so Larry is, I, I don't know what that is behind you, but it's reminding me of the balloon from it. But that's exactly what it is. Is that it's, what it is? Okay. It's literally, it is literally the balloon, and it lights up. But I, the, I don't have a, an outlet close enough to me that I can light. But it does, it does light up. Yes, I put it, <laughs> I put it there. That or a punching bag. I couldn't. No. Quite <laughs> it is literally a balloon. It's a. So you can see the balloon. Oh, oh there yeah. you go. It is all right. Yeah. It literally it is, is. Yeah, it's an on-off switch. No, it's. Uh, 
I had to represent the uh you know, the <laughs> here. I also I, have I, I, I think you I also have a pennywise. I also have Pennywise sitting next to me. I, I'm a oh, bit of a, I'm a bit of a Pennywise fanatic over very here. Very cool, well, <laughs> Larry. I, I have to tell you, I think you were swindled. That's actually a uh, collectible from the Red Balloon, the French short film. Oh, yeah. Okay. Is that why it was on deep discount? So so embarrassing. It's <laughs> so cheap. This thing. <laughs> and and Mr. Loop, I see you have your Return uh, of the Living Dead shirt. I do. Very very cool. So you now have in the '90s you've got Return of the Living Dead Part Three. That's right. Which yeah. Brian Yuna directed, and you've got uh, an insane, amazing zombie in that one that everyone loves, and so that's a favorite as well. So there's yeah. so much good. We love our horror. Yeah, we do. <laughs> we, we really do. <laughs> well, well thank you so much, David. Once again. Yeah. Absolutely, it's always a pleasure, and you guys enjoy the rest of your spooky season. Thank we you. Will. We can't. We can't wait for your seventh appearance, <laughs> Larry. I can't believe he was back sixth time. Sixth time. And I want to say sixth time is the charm, but there's going to be a seventh and probably an eighth and a ninth. So he's been on at least. He's been on every season we've done. It's exactly, exactly. It's, we're going to keep going, <laughs> and and not and no less interesting every time. Like I just love listening to his stories, and and you know he's he's just met so many people in the industry, and it's uh, it's just so cool to have him on. Yeah, and once again, if you have not ordered the '80s doc, uh, get it now. You've got until uh, October 31st to get the the complete trilogy, and then put your name down and put your order in for the '90s doc because truly these things are spectacular. You've never seen documentaries like these before. If you're a horror fan, even in the slightest, you'll love it. Yeah, we we had to wait three years to get all three of ours. You can do it in like was it within a month? Yes, <laughs> and get it by the end of the year. So it's like that's right. <laughs> we had a lot of anticipation. You just you just order it. Just go and order it. Don't get it. And, yeah, you don't have to wait like we did. Uh, <laughs> well, thank you everybody for joining us again. Check us out on our socials because uh, we're always posting. Always, always, <laughs> not as much as in search of uh darkness does, but we, we were getting there, we're getting we're there, getting so there. Right? yeah, we'll get there. But thank you so much for joining us, and uh, we'll see you next time on Loop and Larry Guardians of Geek. Bye bye bye. Produced by Matthew C. Loop and Lawrence Simner, a Loop and Larry production. Bueller, he likes it. Hey, Mikey, Bueller. Bad news. Fog is getting thicker. And Leon's getting larger. Inconceivable. Brian's right. It's an elf. Wax on. Does Barry Manilow know that you raid his wardrobe? Oh, Captain. My Captain. Life moves pretty fast. You don't stop and look around once in a while. You could miss it. Wax off.